For me, a lot of it is just, you know, having to unlearn some of the things that I would tell myself as a kid, you know, like that, you know, you're stupid, you're terrible, you suck, all of those things. It's, it's, and I think that's one of the reasons why I can handle people on social media well is, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll just be like, Yo, you're a has been, you're old, why don't you give way to, you know, younger kids, this, that, whatever, whatever. I'm like, the only thing that's preventing them from passing me is their inability to pass me. Like that, that, that's not my fault. And secondly, you can go ahead and say that I'm a has-been, that I'm old, that I'm fat, that I'm ugly, this, that. I'm like, you have no idea. Come at me. Tell me everything you've got because I can promise you in my past experience, I have said things so horrible to and about myself. Everything that you say, the death threats I've gotten over the years don't even scratch the surface. So don't even worry about that. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Hey y'all, it's Connor. Welcome to another session of Group Golf Therapy. Did you see the name in the episode title? It's Christina Kim. Like, the three-time LPGA Tour winner Christina Kim. Like, the Christina Kim who pours her heart and her humor into every single interaction that she has. That Christina Kim. I'm truly, truly blown away that she joined the show. Christina keeps it light, but there's so much more to her bubbling under the surface, and we get into all of that. What it's like to win on tour, offering gentle guidance to internet trolls, and how to show up as a friend. We became fast friends with Christina, and I'm excited for you to hear that conversation. Thank you for listening. Truly, thank you. Now hit them straight, and mind your golf. We've been given the, the the note to go in raw, Connor. We no no prep time for no. for Miss Kim. We are going in straight. We don't mess around. This is the cold open everybody wanted. <laughs> yeah, you since you were a little uh, since since the timing of everything was a little bit off. You you missed me saying no. I just want to go in raw so that <laughs> there's no uh, robotic answers. <laughs> Fantastic. Christina, where in the world are you right now? Well, this is the first time in almost two months that I am home <laughs> at the moment. I'm in Florida. I am California born and did spend two weeks just north of where I grew up, um, played the Olympic Club and Lake Merced over in the San Francisco Bay Area, Daly City to be exact, grew up in San Jose. And so I am all the way in the literal opposite of where I grew up. Although, fun fact, the area code where I grew up in San Jose is 408. And Florida, here in Orlando, they have an area code that's 407. How it's does, insane. Now, how does that work? That's crazy. I, 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 I've only just recently found out how people's social security numbers are figured out. I don't even want to get into area codes. <laughs> area codes and zip codes are black magic to me. I don't understand how they were created the the reasons for it um so maybe that's maybe that would be another group golf therapy episode as we unpack the <laughs> the formation of of our our nation's identifiers well it goes area zip codes go from east to west and north and south that's why like where are you connor actually we were we were saying how how brad's over in la and drew's over in milwaukee i'm in florida where you is see i didn't even know that i'm, I'm in portland oregon 
Oh, okay. So you're in the high nines for your zip code, correct? That's right. Wow. See? Yeah. So, okay. Are you one of those people now that, that I can say, like, an, uh, let's say Georgia. Would you know what the zip code is? Where the zip codes are in Georgia? Zip codes should be in the low nines and high eights. Okay. Oh, no, no. Excuse me. Low, low, low threes and high twos. Pardon me. Pardon okay. me. Okay. Okay. Because I was going to say that's an exception to the rule. Um, yeah. No, 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 no. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Where I grew up was in the uh, mid to low nines over on the uh, in the northern part of California. Okay. So that's why it goes like north, south, and then east to west. Because this is the kind of stuff that people came for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so Geography. I, I got I to gotta say, um, Christina, we have, we have sort of an internal, I don't know if it's a joke. Maybe I'll let Brad and Drew fill this in as well with color. But um, Is that a, why did you say color? <laughs> <laughs> got him. Shit. Canceled. We're in cancel mode. <laughs> We are, we are hella represented in this podcast. We are. <laughs> Connor, you're our token today. I love this. <laughs> can I tell you, I though? He has been. All of our episodes, Connor's been outnumbered, which is wonderful for me personally. Facts. That is facts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, just, I'm just here to balance things out. White balance, actually, like by way yeah. of uh, yeah. videography. I love it. I love Literally. it. Literally. Sorry. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, Christina, you famously work with PXG um, mm-hmm. as your club supplier. What drew you to them initially, and how long how long have you been working with them? So PXG has been around, if I'm not mistaken, for I think this is year number five for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually met Dr. Bob Parsons years and years ago at a pro am, and you know knew him when he was back with GoDaddy way back in the day, and he was just like this spunky like no bullshit kind of guy. Can I swear? Cause I'm going to swear. Um, yes. and he was just like, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm like, dude, I love everything that you've done with your career by way of, you know, your, your entire life where you, you dropped out of high school. Then you went to go fight in Vietnam. You are a, you're never a former Marine. You're a retired Marine. You still got shrapnel in your body, went back after the war, got your education and then just started, company after company became a huge success. And so PXG started about five years ago and about six months in, I think almost exactly six months in, it was in the, it was in the beginning of the summer of their first year. I was just kind of looking around. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Like you've got players like Billy Horschel, you have players like James Hahn that are on staff. Like you can give, you can give those guys you know, a, a a bag of shrimp laden cinnamon toast crunch and they'd find a way to shoot under par. And then I saw that they had signed Zach Johnson and that really intrigued me because Zach is the kind of player that his entire career here is he was with Titleist and he used his Vokey wedges his entire career. So my interest was definitely peaked. And so I asked um, at the time the LPJ tour rep, John McGannon, who's now in charge of all tour operations, can I try some wedges out and maybe some woods like irons? I was very, I'm very particular with. So I was like the wedges you can, you know, you're going to be changing them in and out throughout the season anyway, by way of getting freshies and all of that. But if someone like Zach Johnson is willing to make that kind of a leap, let's see what's going on. And it took me 
like within three swings, like one with the lob wedge, the 60 degree, one with the 56, one with the 52. And I was like, I need these clubs in my life. Mm. And then I went and got a set of the irons. The irons were phenomenal. And I signed with them that next year. And, and ever since then, it's, it's just been awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, obviously you've got players like Lydia Ko, Brittany Lang, who won the U.S. Open with them a handful of years ago. Um, you know, you've got all these great players that are on staff. Pat Perez, who's had sort of like a, you can't really say a, a resurgence in his career because he's been on tour for almost 20 years and never lost his card, which is pretty awesome. So he's clearly a, a very good player. But you look at the... Um, stable that they have at PXG and you're just like, yeah, like these are some pretty damn good players, but it goes beyond just, you know, having a driver that's loud and goes boom and goes far and all that stuff. The, uh, the wedges were really what drew me to the company and they, I've used everything and any manufacturer that makes wedges and those are the scoring clubs. So you want to have the best of the best. And now PXG has true blades so instead of, you know, looking at, you know, if it, it, like, let's say at my, at my golf club, we have a lot of, um, uh, like a cushionette products and, you know, I use a Titleist mm-hmm. ball. So I love, I love a cushionette as, uh, you know, for me, I use the pro V one star ball because it's the highest spinning ball because that's what I want. And I remember looking over at a set of irons and I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, man, those, those bitches are big. Like, you know, like whatever, like no judgment. I'm like, I just don't think I'd be able to play them. And I saw there was a, a you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine P. Mm-hmm. And I looked under the P and it said 43 degrees. And I was like, well, that's not a pitching wedge. That's like an 8.3 iron. That mm-hmm. is no pitching wedge. Like what in the hell? Because my pitching wedge is, is, is stronger than the old school standard. Old school standard is 48 degrees. My pitching wedge is at 47. And I'm just like, you get all these people that I know that are like, oh, I'm hitting these clubs. Like, you know, I'm hitting them a club farther. I'm like, well, if you go based off the actual loft, like, no, you're not, son. Like, it's just launching a bit higher and you're just getting, you know, a good launch angle. The The number on the club head doesn't matter. It's what the true loft is. So, that's you know, right. it's it's kind of cool that you're playing a two through eight iron set. Like, that's kind of <laughs> neat. But, um, you know, one thing I love about PXG is they're, they're willing to do anything they can to help their players. Um, obviously, Bob has an obscene amount of money, so it's nothing for him to be able to say oh, you need this with your club in order to um you know you need this shave down you need this kind of shape something like that with your head so that we can get this done for you so you can play your best like mm-hmm. fuck it let's do it which is awesome i love that see this brad and drew this is the pxg take that we've been missing i think it is and zach johnson yeah. is an elite wedge player so to hear that is uh, i mean and to hear from you and your personal experience with it like that's as high an endorsement as you can give and um i somewhat famously um had a tiktok go viral when i uh roasted pxg for their branding and i continue to do so just to be quite frank with you (laughs) the tiktok basically says why are you yelling at me why are you yelling? At- I am a grown ass man. <laughs> I do not deserve to be talked to like this, Mister Bob Par, Doctor Bob Parsons. Uh, uh, shrapnel in his body—that makes a lot of sense, actually, because 
that that's what I feel like is is coming out of my television speakers when I when I watch one of those spots. But hey, I will say one thing about Bob. He's not fake. He is true to himself and he is you will be hard pressed to find someone that is more passionate about the game. Like PXG was originally started not as a golf club corporation. He found one of the all-time best club um, makers, fitters in the industry and said, I'm going to hire you to build me the best set of golf clubs in the world. And then it eventually morphed into something where it's like, oh, maybe we should share this with other Mm. people. So it all started off just because he wanted to have the best golf clubs for himself. And so um, like, I get it. Like it's, it's a, you know, that's the, the, the branding is, um, you know, a little bit different, but it's his baby, you know, like he's so passionate about the game and like, realistically they could, spend however much money they need to spend to to get someone like a you know like morgan freeman samuel l jackson you know whomever george clooney to come on and be the 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 voice of it he's like no this is my this is my gig this is my bag like i'm telling people you know nobody makes golf clubs like we do period i can't get my voice that gravelly so i can't do a a, a, a good impression of it yeah, I don't have the shrapnel exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shrapnel a- adds a certain timbre to the voice that just brings it down <laughs> at full register. Fair, fair play to Bob, honestly. I mean, respect if if he's uh, if he's staying true to his word. That's that's great. Um, Christina, you you strike me as somebody like I. I just I think we we're so excited to have you on this podcast because you are so outspoken about your, you know, about everything on tour, um, and off tour as well. And, and I think, um, you know, that's shown explicitly in your social media presence, right? You're very active on Twitter, very generous with people. Um, you're, you're even willing to, to clap back at folks on Twitter who say something that you might not agree with. Um, can you speak a little bit about that relationship you have with social media and, um, and fan engagement? I sure I've been on Twitter since 2009 if I'm not mistaken so I wasn't one of the very very early adopters of Twitter because initially I was like why am I going to text everybody in essence you know <laughs> and it was 140 characters to to start with and I was like I don't I don't really I don't really get it and then it kind of dawned on me I'm like oh I'm like you can get breaking news so when I first got on Twitter, it was like, follow CNN, follow the BBC, follow Reuters, follow AP and the Weather Channel, because I, I, I do enjoy being kept up to date by way of how our climate is changing, because it is. And then I started, you know, getting some followers and interacting with people. I got to tell you, the 2009 social media, the Twitterverse, as it used to be called, because this was pre-Instagram, this was pre-TikTok, um, pre, I believe it's actually pronounced Parlay and not Parler, pre all of that trash. And it was sort of in the midst of entering post horrible dumpster fire of Facebook. Um it was the most beautiful, innocent, loving, 
environment I had ever encountered. And I remember when I first started up on Twitter, I was having all of these amazing interactions with, you know, I had this 14 year old kid from Peru who was following me and I'd keep up to, I'd keep up with him, ask him how his grades were doing, have him send me videos of his swing, you know, things like that. I, I had people from all over the world that I was able to interact with. And obviously in the last century, by way of travel in and of itself, the world has gotten a lot smaller, you know, and, and the invention of, you know, not no longer having steam locomotives, you're able to travel to places a lot quicker and the country became a lot smaller and you were able to visit new places. And this was sort of a way for me to bring the world closer together. And then uh, people realized that, you know, there wasn't any authentication as in, you know, you have to upload a picture of your driver's license and you are no longer held liable for the things that you said. And everyone decided to take freedom of speech to mean you can take the darkest, worst things that you could ever conjure up and basically spout them out at other people and especially people that you don't know. And so for me, especially, um, the uh, dumpster fire that had been tossed into a landfill with fish guts that was the last four years of the previous administration really showcased how people truly, they don't necessarily feel that they're, um, you know, they, they, they feel like the vitriol that they spout out defines who they are all of a sudden. Mm. And, I'm still a person that has nothing but love in my heart. And I've gotten to the point now where when I do respond to people, I don't really, I don't think I like to consider it much of a clap back because I, I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, I'm listening to what you're saying. If you can provide me that same respect and listen to what I have to say, maybe we can learn something from each other because I, I have plenty of friends that are on the opposite spectrum of the political sphere as I do. I have friends that were raised in a different manner there where I was. I grew up not in the hood. I grew up hood adjacent though. So I was able to bear witness to a lot of people that benefited from social services. I was also raised in a place that was extremely diverse and I saw how at the end of the day, we're all human beings, we're all people, we're all deserving of love, we're all deserving of giving love. And every successful person on the planet, in order to be successful, has received help from other people. And that can come in anyway, whether it's financial assistance, whether it's just saying, hey, we're going to make sure that you have a meal to eat today so that you have the sustenance to feed your brain so that you can learn and be able to make something of yourself tomorrow. Um, and so I have, you know, I have these discussions with people and when it comes to people that like really throw shade at me, like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit 90% of the time it's when I'm taking a poo and like the other 10% of the time I'm laying in bed. So people sit there and they're just like, Oh, you know, they're throwing all this shade at me and they're like, you know, over their keyboards and like freaking out. And I'm just like, Bloop. <laughs> Bloop. Like, you know, you're not <laughs> taken away from my day. So it's not really a big deal to me. 
And I've also encountered people that I have had these discussions with where people are like, oh, you're a fat cunt and this, that, whatever, whatever. And I meet them at a golf tournament and they're just like, oh my God, you're so nice. Like, can you sign this and that for me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And then like, they'll be like, you know, I, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, oh really? What's your handle? And they're just like, you know, at MAGA, 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 whatever. I'm like, oh, Jim, how are you? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to sit there and be like, you're an asshole, you know, because you're not necessarily, not n- the, the way I see it, the people that, that spout a lot of hate on social media, I love to believe that that's just their internet persona. Um, mm. I just find it really hard to have multiple personas. So I'm just like, I'm just going to be me. And it's a whole hell of a lot easier to show love and compassion and try to understand and try to meet people where they are as opposed to just sit there and fight. Because, you know, when you're fighting with someone you know, gentle guidance is a lot easier than like, let's say you've got a kid that's about to cross the street and you grab their arm there or an adult, like the first instinct, if someone grabs your arm is to, to, to pull back, you know, whereas if you, you know, gently place your, your hand on them and say, Hey, what, instead of, you know, uh, instead of walking in front of that car, why don't we go in this direction instead? You know, that they'll be more inclined to be like, I'll listen to that, you know, I might still step in front of that car, but I'll at least take a moment to pause and to listen. So a lot of it comes from wanting to meet people where they are, as opposed to just being like, you know, um, you know, MAGA, 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 or, you know, snowflake, snowflake, or, you know, you're, you're an insurrectionist or something, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, Social media has evolved so much over the years and where it was this beautiful land of unicorns and butterflies and glitter flying out of everyone's ass a few years ago, it's now become in, there's still moments and pockets of that beauty. And there are times when they're just the most incredible tests and patience. And, you know, at the end of the day, without, um, without things like social media, you, we all wouldn't be able to be, be able to learn as much as we have so quickly in these last, you know, 12 Mm -hmm. years, say that I've been on social media. Gentle guidance, I would, is exactly what I would call what you gave me once upon a time. Um, There was an instant. What I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was uh, an instance where you posted a screenshot of a comment someone made to one of your photos. You just posted the comment. I don't remember exactly what post it was. I don't remember how far back it was, but I remember the message and it was, well, something negative to which I, or I commented, tell so-and-so I'm pulling up. Like as in, oh, you, oh, you remember this? (laughs) So, okay. So it was like, yo. the kung flu episode or not episode series of events that took place in my life around around that time and and it was Mm -hmm. me being like yo let's mount up like tell them what's good like (laughs) and you were like hold up brad i appreciate the energy you're bringing here but i got this and everything like this energy energy that you're bringing you're assuming that i'm incapable of defending myself like so take a seat back Christina Kim's got this. <laughs> and that was basically, that was the gentle guidance you gave me, which at the time I was like, I'm, I, was just, I was just trying to help. What'd I do? <laughs> I, I have so much respect for you. I, I, I love you. I root for you. Like, but, but now I understand like gentle guidance is what I, is what I needed in that moment. So that I, I've grown to appreciate that. 
And I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was- well, and there was, it was a little bit of, of, of gentle guidance in that, you know, understanding that one, I got this cause I got this. And two of just, you know, like violence, you know, even, even the threat of violence, like what, well, you know, that's the same thing as like getting mad at someone that's already mad at you. It's just like, that doesn't solve anything. And the way that that guy was thinking, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, um, he was one drunk and I took plenty of actions afterwards that had him scared shitless for the next 12 hours before I called his boss and made sure to tell his boss not to fire him over his dumbass comment, you know, but it was one of those things where Damn. it's like, you know, like it, this, I love the support, but if this is not your fight, like, you know, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, and, and trust that we can handle ourselves you know one as a woman and two as someone that's involved in this already like it's it's all good this is just a moment of education for everyone of just you know this dumb shit said this just just watch you know like Mm -hmm. you know we don't need to you know and 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 like I wasn't like so fired up that I was like I'm gonna go find this fool in I think he was somewhere in the high mountains of Tennessee or something like that because he was on vacation and do all that I was like just trust me I'm gonna teach this person that there are consequences to the actions in which you take. And he went from having a good old time, being a good old boy talking about the Kung flu to being worried about the fact that he may not get a paycheck in two weeks time. Cause he may not have a job. And I was like, sweetheart, like that's not how I seek revenge. Like I'll scare you shitless for about 12 hours, but it's about so much more than that. It's just, you know, even if you is drunk, take a moment, pause, see how you're feeling and think about how other people feel when you say something. Hi, Brad. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Reunited. Feels so good. An education for me, and I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate you unpacking that with us because um, I find myself knee, neck deep in comments, replying to folks. On for sure golf monthly or golf.com or even mm-hmm. lpga's instagram page where guys are like this is stupid women don't test and they should be this and i'm like you know no. fuming out of my ears but um this is th- this is a lesson for us all so thank you yeah, of course. And and that's the thing is, you know, oftentimes cuz I mean, I still I trust me, I still get mad when I when I see something that is so egregious that I I I I just I I want to smash. But again, for me, like anger doesn't necessarily fix the problem, you know, like and 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 I I'd like to say that I'm a world-class manipulator so I can go from someone hating on me to turning the situation around to the point where they will end up defending me because I've been able to get them to see where I'm coming from. And so it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating test in patience and also a fascinating like litmus test as to see how people will react yourself included. And, and I've come to find that it's a lot easier to be forgiving of people, but primarily oneself and it's okay to get mad and it's okay to want to help other people it's just you know you know if you, sometimes it's like you got to be like well do they need help you know or or do do i have enough faith and belief in someone that 
It's like, no, they got this. Like, they got this. I'll show them my support. Be like, if you need something, let me know. Um, but, you know, just sort of, you know, like, because I've jumped the gun plenty of times. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, you'd be out to dinner and, and someone to make a comment. and be like, what did you say about my friend? I will end you right now. And then then it's like, you're like, oh, okay, well, no, we have to actually sit here and think about it. And it's like, oh, he's a fucking pig. Okay, cool. Well, he ain't getting this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting test. This entire life time that we have is an interesting test. Christina, t- talking about you know gentle guidance and you know that I mean that those are some very wise words. And you know, for someone like yourself that has been you know in the public eye for you know over half of your life and and you know being a, a public figure has. Is it, was that a lesson that you learned early on in, in your life or has that come, you know, later on? Like, how did, you know, how did you learn to to not always want to clap back and maybe try and see something uh, from someone else's point of view and or put yourself in their shoes? Well, I, I think to an extent, I was, again, very fortunate to have been raised in the Bay Area with extreme diversity, like the entire spectrum of those socioeconomic, um, you know, uh, caste system, if you will, as well as people of different races, people of different um, identities, everything that I I had that instilled in me at a young age. But I mean, I was I was an angry kid. Like I I I, I wanted a fight. Like you know, I, I I always also wanted to always feel like I was right. And so um, for me, one. Uh, there's a book that I read multiple times a year to this day. It's called Body, Mind, Mastery by Dan Millman. And it's a book that it goes beyond the psychology of sport and how to be your best um, athlete, but it's about living your best life to a lot of, to a lot of ways. <laughs> and it's a great book to really teach you, like that's where the gentle guidance, like where it actually sunk mm. in with me. And again, because I was raised in the way that I was, I was very fortunate to be able to learn to communicate with people and learn that other people have different communication styles. But I would say the best thing for me was the day that I turned 30, like 29 years old, 364 days. I was like, bitch, I know everything. I was like so closed off. I'm like, dude, I'm almost 30 years old. I got this, like this, that, whatever. I woke up at 30 and I was like, I'll know a goddamn thing which means that I have an entire lifetime to learn. And that is beautiful. It wasn't that I'm stupid. It was just like, I am this infinite well that can be filled with knowledge. And it has just been that moment when I woke up on my 30th birthday was just so eye-opening for me. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I also like to think that I'm the youngest of three kids. So I learned the art of manipulation and I learned the art of observation at a very young age. So that probably helped. Uh, maybe that's like youngest child syndrome. Um, and I'm also a Pisces. So I'm intuitive. I'm emotional. And, and, and I like to try and find ways to compromise because I'm not a big fan of conflict at the end of the day. Because uh, usually a lot of times, like I say, if I want to fight, most of the time it's because I'm wrong. And then when I'm wrong, I'm like, well, I'm emotional. I'm just going to cry and then I'll win that way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that um, that snap on your 30th birthday, the, the wake up and, and coming to terms, the revelation that you don't know everything, did that? Do you think that impacted your golf game at all? Because it strikes me that 
righteousness is not a good quality to have on the golf course because you will be told very quickly and humbled very quickly that even though you thought it was a seven iron, it wasn't a seven iron. It was a six. Yeah, I I would definitely think so because, you know, I on my the year of my 30th birthday, I, um, you know, I won the Lorena Ochoa Invitational presented by Banamex in Mexico City in Mexico. And that was one of the like the last thing I would ever say is that it was an easy win by way of the um, the physicality of the game because I ended up having to go into a playoff because they missed a four foot putt on the 72nd hole in regulation. But it was, oh, it happens. It's all good. Um, it was like emotionally one of the least panicked weeks of my life because I had the mindset of just being totally zenned out, listening to the trees, and by listening to the trees, you can be more aware of what the wind is doing. Um, you know, just really watching the grass that your feet are stepping upon because you can see, you know, based on the the bounce on your feet, based on, uh, you know, how your your spikes are, are, are falling into the ground, you can tell, you know, the firmness of the golf course and just having the ability to really truly stay present. And I combine that with a little bit of a WWLD, which is what would Lorena do? Sings how it was her, she was the hostess of the golf tournament and one of the greatest golfers that I've ever come across in my life because she was explosive, she was fiery, she was so passionate and so fucking good. And so I had a, you know, a combination of that in my head where I was able to just, you know, think mindlessly, if that makes sense. I was able to think and be hyper-focused while mm -hmm. having that, you know, my, it was as though my mind was as wide as the universe. Um, while being able to have like that pinpoint sniper accuracy at the same time. And I went from having like a five shot lead on at the turn on Sunday or something. It was like, but somewhere between four and six shot lead to, you know, having to make a four foot putt to win on the last hole that I missed and then had to go into a playoff. And I was just like, la, 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 la. Okay, let's go into a playoff. And it was, um, just a beautiful moment for me and just a, a truly beautiful week. Cause it was like, uh, I was like the the end of a that was that was a seven out of eight week stretch in six different countries, um, five of which were over in Asia. So I was honest to God, probably more the the most surprised person in all of the planet that thought that I would win because I was like, bitch, I just came back from Japan, like my ass tired. This this hard, but it was just something like where you you in order to gain control, you have to be willing to let things out into the universe. That's it. Damn. That's, that's beautiful. It, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What's your self talk like after you missed that four foot putt though? Hmm. You still got a chance. Let's fucking go. That's all. That's all it was. Cause I mean, yeah, you could sit there and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you missed that. But it's just like, so there's nothing you can do at this point so kicking yourself over that does not allow you to be present you know it's just like get the job done right now you've got six inches to get the ball in the hole this time like let's put mm -hmm. the ball in the hole this time let's let's get that victory there and so you make that putt and it's like all right we've got a playoff let's go um 
So for me, a lot of it is just, you know, having to unlearn some of the things that I would tell myself as a kid, you know, like that, you know, you're stupid, you're terrible, you suck, all of those things. It's, it's, and I think that's one of the reasons why I can handle people on social media well is, you know, sometimes it'll, it'll just be like, Yo, you're a has been, you're old. Why don't you give way to, you know, younger kids, this, that, whatever, whatever. I'm like, they, the only thing that stopped, the only thing that's preventing them from passing me is their inability to pass me. Like that, that, that's not my fault. And secondly, you can go ahead and say that I'm a has-been, that I'm old, that I'm fat, that I'm ugly, this, that. I'm like, you have no idea. Like, come at me. Tell me everything you've got because I can promise you in my past experience, I have said things so horrible to and about myself. Everything that you say, the death threats I've gotten over the years, don't even scratch the surface. So don't even worry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having a good positive mentality of that's not the end of the world because one, nobody died. And two, it's not over until it's over and mm -hmm. give it everything you have. And if you don't win, as long as you know, you gave it everything you have, that's a victory in and of itself. And if you got beat, you got beat. You know, it's different. There's a difference between getting of someone winning a tournament over you versus you losing a tournament is the way that I see it. And Shan Shan, um, you know, prior to that playoff, she like rattled off like three or four birdies coming down the stretch. I made this great up and down for par in like 15 or 16. And it was just like, it was just this awesome experience. You know, it was this great back and forth battle. And it's like, dude, whoever wins fucking deserves it. Mm. And then thankfully I won. So that's nice. Are you are you talking <laughs> to each other at all? Is there any any mind games going on during that playoff, or are you in your own zone, focused? Um, there would have been talking, but she kind of sniped it into the woods Ooh. on the Ooh. tee. So it's just a fact, <laughs> you know. And she hit a great shot and had a chance to get to to extend the playoff. Like I'm like I don't know. I'm like I I I would go and talk, but that's that's like forty yards away, like. We've both been playing this long ass stretch. We're both tired. Like, let's just, we'll talk afterwards. It's, it's all good. Like we'll talk afterwards. It, it, it doesn't matter. But we were talking like, cause we were in the same pairing for the final round. We were talking, joking, having fun the entire time anyway. Like, you know, it's like the, the golf itself, you know, you, the way I see it, unless it's match play, you're not playing against anybody. You're just playing. It's you against the golf course and you against yourself and between shots you have to be able to let some of that steam off and you have to joke around. You have to ask how they're doing. You have to care about how they're doing and you have to want them to play their absolute best and just hope that your best is a stroke better than theirs, you know? Mm. Cause otherwise, you know, if it's like, if you sit there and you're like, well, I want you to have your worst day of your life and I want to have my best day of my life. I'm like, what the hell does that say about you? Like, mm. that's not a very gracious winner and that's not a great way to live life either. Like, you got to work on yourself if you want people to play badly and you to play great so that you can feel more validated about who you are as a person. Wow. Christina, you, you, you seem like a remarkably evolved person with regards to your self-awareness and your, you know, your, your mental health, outward facing mental health. Um, you have spoken a lot about mental health, your experience with mental health, um, you know, on, on your podcast with, with Alan full send. And, um, where does your comfort come from with regards to sharing those kind of experiences? And, um, I guess what's the, what's the goal for you there? And, and it, is there any sense of wanting other players to come forward and, and speak about and join that discussion as well. Well, in terms of other people coming forward and talking about 
their um, the place they're in with their mental health, I would only want them to come forward if they're comfortable. Uh, the last thing I would ever want to do is force anyone to do anything that yeah. they don't want to do or that they're not ready to do. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I mean, I just talk truth. And if this is where I'm at, this is where I'm at. Um, I can't really deny what has been. And because I feel like I'm overall in a much better place, I still struggle with my mental health every single day. Not struggle with, I'm, 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 I'm cognizant of its presence and, and I try and nourish it and take care of it and do all the right things to, to, to take care of it. Um, I can't deny what has been, nor should anyone like, yeah, I almost killed myself, you know, almost 10 years ago, a little right around, I don't know, time's a man-made construct, the concept of it is. Um, But it's just a reality. And, you know, we are so fortunate that, again, in this day and age of social media, that we can share these things and then have people try and, you know, snap back at us about, you know, how awful we are. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, yeah, take a number. Like, we're at the deli. Like, I'm still only on 347,677. You're like 2.4 million. Like, I'll get back to you in a minute. Like, think about what you said. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's this is this is the life that I've led. And every decision that I've made, be it good, be it bad, be it indifferent, has brought me to where I am now. And considering a lot of the things that I've been through, I wouldn't want to change any of that. And if it can help somebody, I think that's wonderful because, you know, I have, I have a couple of moments in my life just in general that have sort of defined the, the trajectory that I've wanted to go on in my life, like career-wise. I remember when I was a very young girl in Northern California, I played in a golf tournament and I lost in a playoff to another girl who... Um, subsequently ended up on the LPJ tour as well. And she had a mentor in a, an older LPJ player and she beat me, the, the, the other, the little girl when I was a little girl. And I remember that, that other player, you know, she wrapped her arms around her and was like so excited for her, which of course you want to be. And they just kind of walked off into the sunset together. And, and I just kind of remember like watching them and being like, you know, well, I just lost and I was like, the last thing I ever want is to, I love being a mentor, but the last thing I ever want is to make another person feel the way that I feel right now. And so I've kind of taken that moment to just make sure to celebrate with my friends when they succeed and to go to the other party and be like, dude, again, there's a difference between losing and getting beat. And look at the fact that you made it to this place. So don't you dare give up. Understand what your worth is. And hopefully, even if you're not my mentee, I want you to know that if you can have half the faith in yourself that I have in you, you'll be able to make it and take that and go with it. Um, so that's one instance in my life that has sort of defined how I, I how I interact with other people, like, you know, especially with like the, the rookies on tour and things like that. And even some of my friends I've had on tour for, for a number of years and they're going through a, a dark spell. Like, you know, I, I, I had a chat with um, Inji Chun last year in November where, you know, I, I was playing in our tour championship with her and I just knew she wasn't happy. And so 
I was just like, hey, you know, uh, how are things? This, that, whatever, whatever. And then kind of talking off tangent about not sitting there. It was, it's almost like if you're, you're wanting to introduce yourself to a shelter dog, like you, you're in their space, but you don't make eye contact and, you know, you just want them to be comfortable. And so I was kind of talking about mental health just in general about, you know, how important it is to focus on the small victories and this and that, whatever, whatever. And then like in the middle, in the middle of the round, she like breaks down, starts crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, that's not, I wouldn't, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want you to cry. I just, I just want you to know, like, you're going to be okay. Doesn't have to be right now, nor do you have to press it and force it, you know? And she was talking about how difficult it's been, especially with the pandemic. She hasn't been able to have that same community sense that she, she, she needs, craves. We all do because as society, we are, we are very community based and, um, you know, lo and behold, you know, a couple months go by after the off season and, and she's, she's light as a feather and she's, she's able to talk about her own struggles as well, which I think is like hugely important. So, um, for me, you know, I, I just, I, I, I just kind of talk to people about where I was and everything that you've been through, especially on the really hard days. Uh, two things I always think about is everything, the, think of the hardest time in your life that you've been through. And look at those last three words you've been through as in past tense, and you're still here. So don't ever fucking forget that. And you can get through this too. And secondly, one thing that my mother told me um, after she found out about everything that I went through, you know, about a decade ago, and, you know, I call it my attempt at an attempt on my life is, um, you know, she told me like, even in the darkest of days, there's always a beautiful sunrise. And so for me, that just sort of instills this sense of hope and wonder for what can be. And Mm -hmm. what can be will be a culmination of what you do now. Like the, the future's never written. You are the pen and the paper right now. So go ahead and scribble and doodle and spill ink over everything and do all that. And, and then you'll be able to, you know, later on go back and read and be like, wow, that's where I was. This is where I am now. And without that ink spill, I wouldn't be able to appreciate where I am right now. So I don't know. I'll just talk. <laughs> hey, y'all, this is Brad. And Connor. Andrew. We wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us, and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear to vent or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. Um, that was that was a powerful um, statement. I still tell fart jokes too, though. Oh, we love those. <laughs> therapy, fart. That's important too, man. <laughs> it is. I mean, truth be told, I am a fart joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom thought I was gas, so sure. Yeah, I also <laughs> um, wow. you You had a moment with Inji Chun, like literally in the middle of a round. Yeah, we were waiting on a par five to clear the for the green to clear, and I was I was just I didn't think it was gonna like hit her the way that it hit her, and thankfully it was like right when we got to our tee shot, so we had like seven minutes. I talked to her about five minutes, and then and I felt extra shitty because I'm like I'm not vaccinated yet because this was last year in November. I'm like I want to give you the biggest hug and tell you that it's going to be okay, but I ain't touching shit. Ugh. 
you know, and, and I was just like, I, I like stood back like four feet and like hugged myself. I'm like, I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug ever. Like you, you're going to be okay. Like, and the thing is like, until you're ready to recognize that you're it, it, no one can force anything. And I was not trying to get anything out of her. I was just talking like, just, you know, just planting the seed or whatever. And she was just like, I'm ready now. And I'm like, I'm but you never know the, the ripple effects that can come from mm-hmm. just asking someone how they're doing. And actually meaning it instead of that. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? And it's like, I already asked that. You did. You didn't. And we kind of started this podcast as a, you know, jokingly saying to one another in golf, it's always, what's your handicap and never, how are you doing? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that. But you, you never know what the ripple effects of, of, you know, asking someone how they're doing are and, you are someone who speaks very candidly, very openly about things like this. Where do you see that taking you? If anywhere, do you plan on, you know, just, Hey, I'm Christina Kim. This is my life and shit, take it, take it how you will. And it is what it is. Do you plan on, I don't know, getting into mental health advocacy. Is there anything like that on your radar? Well, this podcast is a great um, start, and so is yours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, I just try and live moment to moment, and only in this moment, I, I would love to be an advocate for mental health, but I don't, like, to me, I don't even know what that means, because for me, I feel like mm. it's so much more important to have those one-on-one discussions, you know, and, and actually discussing with people as opposed to sending out, you know, a PSA, like that can reach a broader audience and maybe there will be an actual effect on people. But for me, like there's that, um, that, that heart to heart connection that you get by being able to, to talk to people, you know, and, and mm-hmm. for me, I would, I would love to be able to go out and do a Q and a with groups of people and things like that, or, or zoom calls or, you know, Riverside, like we're using right now, but just to, to, for me to just like record a video and like post it like that, that if it, there's a missing element to that mm-hmm. in that for me as well, because I feel like I'm, still on my journey and I'm still able to learn from other people and, and how they're going about dealing with their mental health and dealing with their physical health and dealing with their, um, finances and, and dealing with, you know, I'm waving vaguely into the ether, like all of that, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm someone that I, you know, I prefer having, you know, discussions like this where we can have a back and forth because there is, you know, separate from the the social contract that Trevor Noah described, for me, I have a social contract that I have with other people where it's like, you know, if I go and I tee it up with someone for the very first time, the social contract dictates that you're going to ask questions, the other party is going to answer, and then at some point, the other party is going to ask you a question and you answer. And even if it's just that quick back and forth, you signed the, the, you, you've, you've abided by your social contract and there's mm. still a couple of players. And I'm like, I've known you seven years and you haven't even put your pen on the paper yet. Like, you know, cause I, I, I love to ask questions because I'm aware that 
people's favorite subject is themselves. And so I, I love to ask people and I want to know how people are. I want to know what's important in their lives. Do they have any new pets? Like, you know, what's their favorite color? You know, and, and number of people are like, God, oh, Christine, you're such a good friend. And I'm like, spell my name. Do you even know if it starts with a K or a C or a CH? Like, do you still call me Christine? Are you aware that there's an A at the end of my name? Like you, you need us. You, you give me, give me your signature. Like this is, you, there's a, there's a back and forth and it's only been back in so far with you. Um, so I don't know, but you know, I, I'm a huge, uh, I'd like to think I am a mental health advocate. I just haven't gotten any sort of like a, you know, structured thing um, or any organizations that I have uh, yet found that I want to work with. And I'm also, you know, an advocate for the LGBTQAIP plus family. I'm an advocate, an advocate for religious freedoms. I'm an advocate for, um, you know, racial equality, for gender equality. I'm just an advocate for humanity and wanting to have these discussions so I can learn as well as maybe, you know, plant a little nugget of poo of knowledge into some people's brains at the same time, you know? I don't know. That's beautiful. I love that. Love it. That that social contract that you talked about is is really interesting, and I think, particularly in golf, like you're you're, if you're playing with somebody for the first time, whether it's a random pairing that you get assigned with at your local Muni golf course, or somebody that you have to play with in a tournament, mm-hmm. you're right. There is that that space, that amphitheater, to create a connection with somebody, and. I've certainly been, I've, I've been on this end of it as well. And it sounds like you're, you're describing this as well. It can be really exhausting to, to put that work in to establishing a connection, establishing a relationship and not feeling like it's being reciprocated. Yes. I will say real quick though, that sometimes there is a need to remind myself oftentimes that the vast majority of I feel like the vast majority of professional golfers in general on the men's side and on the women's side, um, because it's an individual sport, there isn't a lot of teamwork involved other than, you know, a small select group, you're, you yourself, you know, your caddy, your coach, you know, your nutritionist, your fitness, whatever, your mental guy or this, that, whatever, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it can be something of a lonely world. So Mm. I feel like a lot of players are, more introverted and and people that tend to gravitate to golf in a lot of ways tend to be more introverted. So it can be painfully awkward for someone to, um, you know, go ahead and sign that contract. But it's like, I get there and I'm just like, it's been seven years. You could still ask like just one question. That's all it is. I don't need like a whole litany of, you know, things that you want to know about me. Just, just be like, what size shoe do you wear? Like that's sufficient, you know? So um, it, it's a lot of times just having to, you know, remember that everybody, nobody is us. And so you have to be able to, to understand that everyone is in a different place on their journey. And, um, you know, so if it's like the first time I've played with someone, I'll, I'll, I'll take note of the social contract. I'll be like, oh, they sent it by way of snail mail. Oh man. <laughs> and my zip codes in the threes and their zip codes in the high, high nines. So it's going to take them a hot minute to get, but if it's been seven years, then I'm like, I should have gotten the return to sender by this point. Like by now, I really, really should have. Well, this is a safe space. You can drop names if you want. 
No, I don't. I'm not here to. I'm not here to throw people under the bus. Like I don't. No. I don't I'm, care. I'm half kidding. Mostly kidding. <laughs> Maybe I'll text you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll start a group thread after this. Group golf text after this. Um, but you know, you're right, and you're, you're you you make a good point that there is certainly a difference between me going down to my local municipal golf course and getting paired up with somebody and expecting a relationship to form out of that than you competing against somebody very directly for a purse of $500,000. Like there's, you know, you got to get your teeth out for that, that kind of interaction and you're not necessarily there to make friends. But as I think, you know, the, the point you're making is it, it can and always should be more than that as well. For sure. For sure. Because obviously we're here to make a check and we're here to rack up as many victories as possible. But at the end of the day, we're all going to die destitute and alone. Like, it's a fact. Like, it's not like they're going to be able to go up and, you know, let's say if there is an afterlife, it's not like St. Peter's going to be like, yo, what's your pin? You know, it it doesn't happen that way as far as any of us know, because if it is, we're all fucked. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you die destitute and alone, even if you're surrounded by everybody that loves you, like, that's just, that's you. And, and personally, I find a lot of comfort in that, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're born into this world with you and yourself. You, you're destitute and alone when you come into this world. And then you have people that create a universe around you, which is wonderful and beautiful. And then just like everything else, t- as time passes, those things evolve, they change. And then, you know, you, you sort of go you you go back and you turn into worm food or you go down or you go up or you go and end up as a rock or whatever there may be or we jump into a parallel universe or what whatever it is you know it's just this is this is all we have right now so so relish in it love it enjoy it and relish in the challenge of it as well like all the little you know all the times when i'm like working on my swing which is every moment of every single day you know it's 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 when you do find that nugget like it's that much more impactful if you're if you actually relish the challenge and so telling yourself you're worthless telling yourself that you can't do this that you'll never make it like that shit doesn't work that shit doesn't work you know and and focus on the small victories and on bad days for me it's like I have to sit there and I'll go through, I'll do a run through of my day and find the victories. Like, did you wake up? It's an automatic response to my body's natural system. Did you wake up? Yes. Check. There is a victory. Did you get out of bed? It took me three hours. No, 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 no. You were watching Morning Joe. That's okay. Did you get out of bed? Check. Did you shit the bed? Not this time check you know like there's all kinds of different things like and so if you sit there and you know sort of really really parse together a a day full of victories it turns a really shitty day into a bearable day and then a bearable day turns into an okay day okay day turns into a good day good days turn into great days and great days turn into true victories you know Mm. so making sure every moment that you're living is a victory even if that just means did you did you breathe you know again it's an automatic response to your body like that it could for all we know it could stop at any moment i don't understand it like the body is an amazing thing you know mm-hmm. so every single every single moment in our lives should be looked upon as a victory what was the question <laughs> i don't even know but you just answered it yeah you yeah you did you did what <laughs> <sighs> drew how are things in milwaukee right now uh good i mean it's like nice weather um i'm in my basement but you know i'm sure it's nice outside somewhere (laughs) (laughs) 
The Bucks are doing okay. Bucks are doing all right without Giannis. So, well, we're we're doing it. We're doing it. Maybe small victories. I like that. Small victories. Small victories. Christine, I think you you actually to get into the the meat and potatoes, the uh, the uh, oh, essential I'm questions. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> to get to I the uh, sorry. <laughs> to get to the meat. Yeah, yeah. The meat and the meat and the yeah. meat and the fish and the nuts and the meat. Fatty cuts um, only, please. Ooh, of course, of course. Um, you've, I think you've kind of touched on this already, but one of our favorite questions that we like to ask our guests is, uh, "What is your mortal wound?" Or another way that we say it is like, "What is your Achilles heel?" What is that that one thing that drives you and and motivates you and and gets you up every day? And like I said, I feel like you've kind of already, you know touched on this already but uh what would you say is is your your mortal wound mortal wound in in what way in life in golf in in life um so real real talk i would say the closest thing that i have to a mortal wound is my delusional optimism because i will occasionally um find ways to not be honest with myself. Uh, like there, there are times when I sit there and I will say, I can, I can do this. Like, I don't care that, you know, the ball's below my feet in a fairway bunker and I've got 190 yards. I'm going to hit that hybrid, you know, and, 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 you know, what do I do? I top it. Uh, you know, it's, it, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm the kind of person that, tries to really focus on the positives. And this is something I've worked on very, very hard over the last um, few years because, you know, and I say it half jokingly, there is a nugget of truth to it. Uh, it's like a small bunny size, bunny poo size nugget of, um, you know, and I joke that, you know, because if I don't, then I would have killed myself, you know, like I, so for me, a lot of that is just truly focusing on the positives. And so I guess my, my, my mortal wound would be the days when being positive and staying present are a lot harder to come by. And so it can cause a bit of like a, an emotional and mental exhaustion. Mm. And um, what gets me up in the morning? Uh, like I said, that auto response where my brain's like, you had enough, like, wake up, bitch. Um, no, I, I, I think it's the chance to find victories, the chance to find a moment in my day where I can feel awe. There's this NBC News article from maybe three years ago or something that sort of said that, you know, experiencing a moment of awe every day can help, ex you know, extend your lifespan. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait till I get around even par in terms of years on life and then I'll, you know, assess things. But you got to get to even par. And so, you know, whether it's watching like magnolia flowers bloom this late in the summer or whether it's seeing a butterfly that you hadn't, you know, you, you'd gone almost nine months without seeing a butterfly and seeing a butterfly and just watching, you know, the mechanics of its of its wings or coming across the same patch of grass on at your golf course over the course of 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 two months and being like wow like the overseed came in or the Bermuda grass came in or later in the year it's gone dormant things like that like it just shows like you know the passage of time just finding that moment of awe um and wanting to find that moment of awe you know not seeking it out but just wanting to get that moment is is something that drives me and and you know it's so cliche but wanting to live my best life 
I love that. I, I too um, suffer from a degree of self-directed to- toxic positivity. And Isn't it great? It's, it's great and destructive. And I think um, you, you touched on this really, really well that sometimes it gets really exhausting to to be optimistic perpetually. And, you know, I, I constantly have to remind myself, you know, if I'm feeling the onset of some feelies, of some mm-hmm. some negative feelies, feel that because that's important too. And For sure. So how how do you let yourself experience that sort of stuff as well? When you are having a bad day, how do you not tucker yourself out trying to remind yourself that everything's good? Well, so above all else, I always tell myself that what I feel is valid. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, people, they, 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 they can sometimes say, you know, like, especially, you know, someone in my situation is like, you get to travel around the world, you chase a little white golf ball, you're able to do this, you're able to do that, you have nothing to be sad about. It's like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't still feel them. And it's okay to not be okay. And it's super important to make sure that you don't invalidate yourself and you don't allow others to invalidate yourself. Um, and it's okay to not be okay. And, and so for me, one thing that I've been able to learn how to do is, is something I call hibernation, which is I will go home to wherever, whether it's home, whether it's to the Airbnb that I'm at, whatever it is. And I just, I, I, I lay in bed and sometimes it's a combination of a mental, physical, and emotional exhaustion that I'm feeling mm-hmm. by way of a long stretch of tournaments, by way of, you know, being on the grind, whatever, what have you. And I lay in bed and it's just like, it's like someone takes a switch and just turns me, just, just shuts me down, you know, and I just sort of allow myself to feel what I'm feeling because, um, compartmentalizing can have at times certain benefits, but at the same time, you, you, if you, as you know, it, it, it's like refusing to poo for three days straight. Like you gotta let that shit out. Like it's going to be toxic if you don't and being completely objective about it and saying, well, these are the feelings that I have does not mean that it makes me a bad person. And being honest with myself and being truthful about things, um, you know, nobody dies from it. Like it, it's okay. You know, and, and when I say I'm delusionally positive, you know, a lot of it is, is because I say, okay, well, yes, you do feel this way and that is okay. And there is that delusional positivity of just being like, it's okay to feel like shit sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it, 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 and, you know, validating myself, um, by way of just being able to validate myself and not needing anyone else out there in the world to validate me is something that I've, um, you know, learn to accept because I sit there and everyone's like, oh, you've got, you know, so many thousand followers on, on Instagram and so many thousand followers on Twitter and this and that. And I'm like, I, that's cool that they want to figure out, you know, like pay attention to what's going on in my world or whatever, but they, they, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make me a better person. You know, just like shooting 62 doesn't make me a better person than when I shoot 72 or when I shoot 78, like it doesn't make me a better or worse person. Like who I am is what defines that. And if people want to like come in and just 
hear me constantly say that Beyonce poos, like that's, that's cool. Like that's on them, you know, like that's, and that's one big thing that I always, you know, whenever I'm like in a pro-am, someone's like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Like, you know, this time I'm like, what are you nervous about? I'm like, even Beyonce poos, like we're all human. That is you know, literally even the queen. what I tell myself sometimes, like, <laughs> because she's like kind of it for me, you know? <laughs> she's the queen. Yeah. It's like Beyonce and she's Serena Williams are my, yeah, like, you know. Serena poos. Yeah. Because she's human. Right. What is the hardest time you have ever laughed on the golf course? So I have uh, an amazing ability to retain some great stuff. And at the same time, I have the ability to let things go so, so quickly. So I'm just going to go based off of, oh, no, actually I can. So the hardest time that I can remember laughing in fairly recent history was about three Three or four years ago, I'm in Hawaii. Um, Jeff Brighton, who now caddies for Bronte Law, Scratch Golf just did a beautiful piece on him so for uh, part of their Pride Month. Oh, so amazing. Mm-hmm. He was caddying for me in Hawaii. And it was just like a combination of things um, because it was our third tournament together, if I'm not mistaken. And we're coming up on a Saturday. I made the cut. We're teeing it up on Saturday. I'm like, hey, can you give me my balls so that I can go and putt? And he just like grabbed. I always have two sleeves of balls in my bag. He just grabs a sleeve and like hands them over to me. And I'm like, oh no, can I have the threes, please? I'm really sorry. And he was just like, balls are balls. What do you mean you want the threes? And I was just like, Jeff, this is the first cut we've made. I like to first round with one, second round with twos, third rounds with threes, fourth rounds with fours. You've never seen me pull out a sleeve of threes. Holy shit. So we did laugh about that. And he was so embarrassed. And I'm just like, no, dude, that's trust me. That's all my fault. I never allowed you the opportunity to see that. So that's on me. Um, but we were that's in the pro-am that week. And <laughs> it, obviously it's going to be so much funnier to me than to anyone else except for uh, – it would be funnier to me than with Jeff. It's, it's not going to – there's no question about it. We're on a par five waiting to, to hit the green in two. And we're just talking. And, like, Jeff's looking at me. He's got his elbow on my bag. We're just chatting or whatever. And then we see this, like – you know, we see this shadow go overhead. And he got sh- – it's like you can't even say he got shat on by a bird. Like, it was – I think it was maybe one of those beautiful black swans that, that are, like, $20,000 or something like that that they have at the golf course. It looked like someone – it looked like someone took a bucket of <laughs> black and white paint and – at the same time, he made some sort of a horrible comment to a woman at a bar, and somehow the poo went from, it seemed to go from the ground up, because it went under his hat, <laughs> across his face, like fucking Braveheart, and there was just shit ever. And I, I was literally screaming with laughter. For eight minutes, I could not stop. <laughs> laughing and he was so mortified it was everywhere and I bring that up to him every single year and it's just like I don't understand the how the gravity of it worked because he was wearing a hat with a brim so I'm like how did it get in your eye eye. wow I could not feel bad because it was just so funny. And he was like, well you know what they say if a bird shits on you it's good luck. And I'm like sweetheart 
you're going to marry Jeff Bezos at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is just obscene. And then a couple of months later, you know, after we had stopped working together, we started working with Bronte Law. They had their first victory together. They made onto the Solheim Cup together. They won the Solheim Cup together. So it's all these, all, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow progress. Like that's maybe like, you know, a, a, a fifth of the shit that's been sprayed upon him in that one instance. But it was... I, I have a picture of him still. Like, it's just, he just looks so traumatized. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff has shit luck for the rest of his life. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. In the best, in the best of ways. That's incredible. Where is your happy place outside of golf? Off the course. Off the golf course. Um, happy places include, it sounds silly, but happy places include again the bed because that's where I have my hibernation and it's like mm. blinds down, no TV. I'm surrounded by uh, like gallon jugs of water and and macadamia nuts and almonds. Like that's just it. Like it's just it's water and uh, again since I'm keto, like I call it my brain food, which is just high fat food because your brain is a globular organ and not a muscle and it's comprised of sixty percent fat. So I'm just feeding my brains. Um, the kitchen because I do love to cook and I am a fantastic cook and that's not me bragging. It's just a fact. And, um, it sounds silly, but the gym, because Mm. I've, I've learned and like old me fucking hate that I say this, but you know, because of my understanding of how emotions are so inextricable, inextricably tied to the hormones in your body and in your system. If there's any way you can help produce and promote serotonin, dopamine, um, you know, prolactin, oxytocin, things like that, like you better fucking do it. And that a lot of that, a lot of that for me comes by way of, um, of exercising, throwing weights around, grunting, you know, losing an eyebrow at the gym, what have you. Like those are those are things that bring me um, floods of serotonin and melatonin and 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 dopamine. Oh, and also float tank therapy. Bobbing mm. around in a float tank is amazing, and it's so it's something that I would advocate for everybody to at least try once, because you are. Basically, the closest way I could say it is, one, you're reentering the womb because you're in water that is the same temperature as, as, as your skin. So it's at like 90, I forget, it's like 94 degrees, 94.3 degrees or something like that. You have no idea where your skin ends and the water begins. You just become a floating brainstem because you it's complete sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, you... You know, because you sit there and it's like, you're like, oh, I'm going to just, uh, uh, my brain just needs to reset. So I'm just going to veg out and watch Netflix. And it's like, your body's still fighting gravity every waking moment. And so by being in a float tank, your your body's not, there's no gravity to fight because you're completely buoyant. And so it just is the most restorative thing for um, for my brain that I could think of. And plus I'm, I'm at a point now where I can legitimately tell when my theta brain waves are going and that's that release of serotonin or melatonin, depending on the time of day that I'm in my tanks. And I get, it's like complete blackness. Cause there's, I, I ask for no lights. I ask for no music and I see swirling colors. It's, it's as if you're like hurtling through space and you come across those beautiful gaseous nebulae and things like that. It mm. is, it is unreal. So when I get into like the pinks, purple, Purples and reds, that's when I know that it's like, you know, fucking 80s, like laser light show. It's amazing. I'm a huge, huge fan of float tank therapy. I, oh, I cannot God. recommend it enough. Um, uh-huh. I actually do. All right. We, 
we're gonna chop it up after after the show for sure. Because yeah, I love, I love it. it. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I've never it's done so it before. Good. Yeah, it, honestly, and also be sure if you do look it up, call the place and ask if they have an introductory rate. Because you can, you know, you can oftentimes save 30 bucks at, at a place. And then if you, you know, especially for someone like me that travels around every week, I go to a different place and I get a lot of introductory rates. And they're like, do you want to get a monthly package? I'm like, nope. I'll see you in 52 weeks. My bad. <laughs> uh, Chris- Christina, what is what is your theme song or what is your uh, what's your walk up music? So that those are two very different questions with two extremely different answers. So for me, I do have an anthem that I don't know if it's because of the beat or whatever it is. A lot of it has to do with the lyrics. um, But the song Beautiful by Eminem is my anthem. The 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 lyrics to the song are like M is one of the most overlooked artists in the entire world because if you actually look like I aside from like his super early stuff when he had mommy issues um now that he's grown up a bit like the lyrics of his songs are so impactful and beautiful is one of the most uplifting inspirational songs I've ever come across and Mm -hmm. it talks about again to an extent that social contract I was talking about and it's just like you know walk a mile in my shoes I'll wear yours you know see the world through each other's eyes and don't let anyone tell you that you're not beautiful they can go fuck themselves just stay true to you like those things like are so so important and so beautiful to me Um, but my walk-up song my next Solheim cup that I play in whenever that may be is I want to have as they're introducing me it's like I don't want it to be playing as I'm walking up to the tee. I want it playing as they introduce me is the first 30 seconds, the opening of Down With The Sickness by Disturbed because it's going to be like, oh, ah, and then I hit the ball. Like it's it's just, I, I got it all planned out. <laughs> I got it all planned out. So opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to music. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'd like to say that I just, I love music just in general, partially because I am so... I am not musically inclined because these fingers don't know how to do things. And so music (laughs) is just something that is so beautiful to me. Um, And, you know, grew up in the 90s. So love my, you know, my my old school R&B and and love hip hop. And then when I, you know, got into, um, you know, like my middle school into high school years, I was super into hard rock, emo, punk, all of that, very much into punk. And then just I listen to just about anything like my uh, if you guys remember what an iPod is you know I remember I had an iPod that had everything from ABBA to ZZ Top to Bach and Mozart and you know music from the 50s had you know Elvis Bill Withers all everything Beatles because um, music is just so transformative and you can music can be uplifting and and sometimes music is that awe-inspiring moment and I remember as well it, when I won the Lorena Ochoa Invitational years ago anytime I needed to make a birdie coming in or anytime I needed to make a putt I, I had Eminem's beautiful playing in the background of my head and I would sit there and I would listen I would just listen to the beat and I would sit there and I would say the words to myself in my head and just you know, obviously I can't flow, but I would, I would have, um, I would have that song in the background and it, 
to this day is still one of the songs that I'm like, fuck, I need to make three birdies coming in. I'm like, all right, and let's fucking do this. I love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Literally. The song is. And yeah. it's titled that. But it's if you sit, like honestly sit and truly listen to the lyrics, like you're just like, this is not it's not your mama's Eminem because he's not sitting there talking about, you know, it's it's a lot more introspective and it's it's just it's beautiful. And it, it shows his progression as an artist as well as just a human being. That's so cool. I love it. Final final sort of light question is um, what would your final meal be? It sounds like food is really important to you. It sounds like you're a great cook. Um, would you break ketosis for that final meal? If you had the opportunity, what would you go for? Well, so, so I need a little bit of context because I have this question that I pose to my friends often, mm-hmm. which is if you're, um, you know, unlawfully put into prison and it's on, it's your last meal because you are about to be executed, what would your last meal be? Or is this, you know, somehow you just, you, you come to find that you're going to pass the next day and you're granted one and you're, you're getting your last meal and it's, it's whatever you want, as opposed to the limit of $18 or whatever the fuck the federal system allows for a person's last meal. Um, so it depends if it's, if it's, uh, by way of incarceration, I sit there, I say, give me a fucking bucket of butter. Cause I'm going to sit there and see if I can do it myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Because I got I got I I, I got issues with uh, certain certain uh, means of authority and uh, I I I'm like I'm gonna go on my terms and so unsalted carry gold though like if we have to go that route um, but otherwise I would probably say a reverse seared tomahawk ribeye cooked to medium not medium rare because with the marbling of a ribeye you can actually up the cooking temperature a little bit so that more of that marbling and the fat melts into the meat um i would have some sauteed spinach because i just love spinach uh let's see roasted brussels sprouts because you know if i'm if it's my last meal i'm gonna fart my way to the end and i would say um you know, a caprese salad would be all the way mm. up there. But the the thing with me is since I've been, um, you know, living the ketogenic lifestyle for so long, like I'll still go there and it's like, like I'll have an Oreo if I want to. Cause I, I'm just like, I used to love these little shits. Like, mm. do I still love them? And I'll put it in my mouth and I'll just be like, Oh, like I can feel every grain of sugar and anything that has, um, you know, gluten in it turns into Elmer's paste. And I'm like, I'm not in, I think it was probably fifth grade was like the last time I ate Elmer's paste, but you know, I'm not in fifth grade anymore. Like I don't need paste in my mouth. Like it just, it, I, it's just no longer enjoyable to me. So, you know, I wouldn't break it, break out of ketosis just because it's just not something that I would enjoy. Mm. Um, although if it's like a perfectly prepared panna cotta or creme brulee, like I might consider it. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, depends on the situation. If it's, if it's cause I'm unlawfully convicted, then give me that fucking carry gold. And I'm gonna see how, I'm gonna see how many sticks of that will go down before I, before I take my, you know, take my last breath. And that's going to be on my terms. <laughs> so yeah, so kind of lighthearted, but kind of morbid. <laughs> yeah, <a little. laughs> also morbidly obese, I guess, to an extent. <laughs> That's the, that's the episode title, kind of lighthearted, kind of morbid. 
<laughs> I love it. it. I I think we have covered everything. I think I've asked all the questions I've wanted to ask. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hop in your DMs talking yeah. about uh, float tank there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. For, of for course, you us. guys. Yeah. And so can we do this again? Honestly, yeah, this is so much. This is not not to not to bag on anybody or anything like that. But this truly was so much fun. And and I uh, I really, really enjoyed having the chance to talk to you guys. So I would love to do this again. Like, just let me know what what works for y'all. I'd love this. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, round round two on the books. Um, So I guess before before we sign off, Christina, where can where can our people find you? Um, talk about your podcast really quickly with Alan Shipnuck on the Fire Pit Collective. Yeah, so I can be found on pretty much all social media platforms. I am at the Christina Kim. That's T H E C H R I S T I N A K I M as in Mary. Um, yeah, I mean, come for the uh, the the fart jokes and the manipulation and turning people that are one way and then making them feel like they're doing me a favor by being nice to me. Um, and yes, I do have a podcast of my own. It's called Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck, where we kind of discuss you know, it's it's a little bit of a chronicling of how my season's going. It's sort of talking about both sides of the ropes when it comes to professional golf, because Alan is a longtime, I would say now a person in the media because he's beyond just a journalist. Um, he worked, he was in a sports editor at SI, worked for golf something magazine. I don't remember if it's golf or golf digest or golf, whatever. Um and, you know, he and Matt Janella and Alex Upegi have embarked on a new venture called the Fire Pit Collective that sort of started over at Goat Hill, um, which is a muni down in San Diego. It's a phenomenal place and it's just so, so community based. And it's it talks a bit more about, you know, golf. It's not you know, the same bullshit of, oh, look at this picture of Dustin Johnson and Paulina Gretzky kissing and Ricky Fowler and his wife and the occasional post of Lexi worked out again. You know, this is these are actual stories that matter, um, which is one of the reasons why I, I was thinking about starting a podcast almost three years ago because of that exact situation where I was on some publication and I was just like, yeah, that's what they do. The Every single tournament week, there's 144 amazing stories on the LPJ Tour and as many as 156 amazing stories on the PJ Tour. And then you talk about every other tour outside of those two. And why are we always looking at Dustin and Paulina kissing? Like, y'all better not be getting paid for this because this is trash. Or his so, drug problem. Um, yeah, because it's just like, it's. I'm like, if I wanted to just look at like the tabloids of golf like I would just stick with golf week or whatever you know I'm like these are are different publications out there like and then like don't even get me started on um you know the way that the commentary world is gone you know I mean I'm I'm so fortunate that I've been able to do stuff with PJ Tour Live because they Mm -hmm. actually promote what true professional golf is where you'll see Bryson DeChambeau snipe a wedge from 96 yards and then mm-hmm. watch him get up and down. And it's not just dart after dart after dart after dart. So it's not, you know, um, in their own unique way, television's uh, unrealistic portrayal of what the world really is, whether it's by way of Hollywood or whether it's by way of 
professional golf. Like we hit some shitty shots and we hit some amazing shots, but all you ever hear about are just the really, really amazing ones. Cause it's like, you're, you're sitting there and you're watching the, the coverage and you're just like, and this just a moment ago from say, you know, a, a, a person that's not in the top three on the leaderboard. And you're like, let me guess it's going to go in in it. There's yep. no way they're going to miss it. Cause why would you bother showing that unless yeah, they're about time. to put, you know, every time. Yeah, so, oh, here's, yeah, every oh, time. we're going to cut really quickly over to Joe Shitlitz, who's tied for 132nd right now. Uh, mm -hmm putting from 40 feet out it's like why are we showing him yeah it's going yeah. in. That, that that shit's going in yeah. yeah yeah but yeah other than that yeah i mean it's just a it's a podcast where alan and i have some fun we're we're embarking on guests we are you know still finding our feet and again because i prefer not having any sort of a timeline or knowing questions in advance it's just a big hot mess which is the way that i love it hmm. <laughs> we love it too. This is a great conversation and can't thank you enough for your time and for your transparency. Really? Of thank course you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you, Christina. Thank you all. Brad, Drew, Connor, you guys, I'm big fan and I, I, I really look forward to seeing how, um, how you guys progress and, you know, I'm going to be telling everybody that, that follows me on all my stuff, but you guys are doing it right. I love this. I can't wait to come back on. I've already invited myself, so I'll just I'll I'll I'll, I'll email you guys with the link when we come back on. Yeah, yeah. Just send us <laughs> send us a Riverside link and uh, you know send us some questions in advance, and we'll we'll get it scheduled. Yeah. I will make sure to send <laughs> questions in advance as long as you promise not to read them. <laughs> won't look, ne neither of us. You won't look at them. We won't look at them. So I yeah. won't. I, yeah. Double blind. <laughs> someone, someone, so I'm going to say Drew would probably look at them. Be like, you just sent characters. I'm like, I didn't look yeah. at them. Like, they're just, they're <laughs> just no emojis. Yeah. words. Yeah. I just smashed the keyboard. <laughs> well, we look uh, forward to it, Christina. Thank you so much for your time. This of course, been, you guys. Thank really you. Fun. All right. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health.